Hello and welcome to a very special episode 135 of the Winning Agenda. Is it? I think so. Um, tonight we have a bit of a different format. We're recording right before day two of Nationals, sort of not really in the studio environment that you might expect from our incredible podcast, but we're doing a bit more of a, a field observation today. So today our panelists include, well, me, your hosts, Wilfred E. Harig, 2016 Australian National Champion, and Jian Wei Chin, future 2017 Australian National Champion. Um, also known as Crush Guava and Arthur Snake. Yes. For the people who don't know me. Yes. Um, given that Netrunner is a game played over the internet, we feel that is also pretty important. Um, so, Jian, you long time listeners or maybe very astute listeners especially might know that John was actually on an episode before yes. but that episode was sort of lost to the ether and eaten by a rogue AI yeah Apex sort of uh, decided that they were very hungry yes so John do you want to just uh, give us a bit of a background on your experience with Netrunner um, I think in the interest of time um We'll get to that at the end if we do have time. Let's just recap a bit first. Let's give some context. Where are we now, Wilfie? Oh, yeah, sure. So we're at a cafe in Sydney recording after day one of Nationals has been completed. Yes. Um, so we're waiting for the top eight to start yes. later today. Yes. And, uh, and we've also uh, yeah. ordered breakfast, which will come hopefully in between. It's, well, hopefully sometime while we're still recording. Yes. I think the the... Because I was so keen about this podcast, I've written out a whole show note um, and included within the show note, it, my, my previous experience playing Netrunner was not included, so let's not get to that. The time <laughs> okay, just laying them behind the curtain. Yes. So I, I think the important thing is the episode that was that had gone missing, we talked about Anzing, and I think we need to just quickly mention that um, um, because it certainly deserves a mention. Yep. So the ANZAC ANZAC was the um, Australia New Zealand asynchronous competition that ran from the May first to mid July and organised by some New Zealanders because they wanted to send someone to Worlds. Um, it was an online only Jinteki.net tournament. About eighty plus people participated, which is an amazing and huge number of people, and it was run very smoothly. Um, I can't imagine how easy or difficult it would be to coordinate 80 people through Swiss rounds, six weeks of Swiss rounds. So we would like to thank you, thank the organizers for coordinating such an awesome event. And hopefully not missing some names, I think the ones that stand out, Ben Wilson, who is sending out the emails every week, um, Donald Bubbins for coordinating the prizes, and also Michael Walsh, who was the eventual winner of the event. And is, who is Segway, who is here this weekend? Yes, um, I think many of the people in the top eight of the ANZAC were also in the top eight of the Australian Nationals hmm. today as well. And uh, some other people made uh, conspicuous non-appearances or were conspicuously absent from both top eights, although maybe that might be foreshadowing a little bit. Yeah. So should we talk about um, sort of our lead up to nationals now, what, how we, because we did some testing together. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's also one other shout out that uh, I'd course, like to course. talk about. Yep. Um, and I'm sorry, Wilfie, I'm sort of, sort of taking over what, the, what, what our <laughs> agenda is for today. I thought our agenda was winning as yes, always. Yes. Um, Malaysia nationals also happened yesterday. Um, and, and I would like to give a shout out to my friend HQ, who 
At time of last known, he was in the winners' final at 2:30 a.m. local Kuala Lumpur time, and I don't actually know what happened, whether he won or he lost. Oh, uh, and segueing on from that, further shout out to Calvin yes. Wong, uh, another previous guest on the winning agenda, multiple-time guest, in fact, who managed an. Uh, quarterfinals last, I think, eighth, eighth place finish, which was a very good effort. Um, oh, was that yesterday? That was yesterday, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. So so for long-time listeners who have listened to his um, his episode before, the Malaysian meta is quite diverse, and this is the same meta we're talking about. So shout-outs to them. Um, I hope my friend won. I don't actually know what happened. Cool. So, on to current nationals. Okay. Can we talk about some fun parts first? Um, no. Yes, is the answer. Okay, sure. Um, so the the nationals happened yesterday, 26th of August in Sydney. Uh, we had to fly in. Wilfie, where did you end up staying? Oh, that's right. I stayed in a someone on Slack posted a recommendation of a capsule hotel, mm-hmm. uh, like a pod hotel. They're famous in, I think. Uh, specifically Japan and they've I guess been expanding all over the world because there's now one for some reason in Sydney um, and it's a bit cyberpunky so you go in and then there's a uh, you, you press a button on your capsule and then you know the door opens inwards as though it was all robotized and then or mechanized I guess um, and then you know there's a control panel where you there are lights and everything it's a, all a bit uh, new new age was it comfortable uh, yeah it wasn't too bad okay okay um, all right so 44 people turned up for nationals it ran over five rounds at the end of round two there was a snappy lunch break um, Wilfie and myself we went for lunch um, I had a what did I have I had a vermicelli salad uh, from a Vietnamese place. Wilfie, how about you? Uh, I had, and I think uh, long-time listeners may or may not know my fondness for Mexican food. I guess uh, Americanized Mexican food mostly is what we get here, but I had a burrito. It was excellent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at that point in time, my mind wasn't too much into eating, so I couldn't finish my meal, which is, uh, uh, what's the word for it? A terrible thing. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a better word for that. Nevertheless, we went back and completed all three rounds, and I think the tournament itself ran very smoothly. Uh, Marty controlled it very well. Time was kept. Um, everything ran quite smoothly and on time, and we finished way before the evening came by. So it was a very well-run tournament. Thank you very much to Marty for doing such a great job. Um, some shouting out for some other Melburnians who come, who also came by to to uh, Sydney, and I think there's a comment that could be mentioned to each of them. So, uh, Hamish, thank you very much for for giving me one of your booms. Uh, much appreciated. Um, I, I don't know how much I can thank you. Um, Rob, who will be recording today and I've asked him to record my match first. Let's see how that goes. Hopefully I don't just crash out. Um, and Wilfie will enjoy this one. Eric, who Wilfie played in the first round. How, what, what what did he get you with? Wilfie? Oh yeah, so 
if we're going to talk about the tournament now, um, I, surprise, surprise, I didn't make top eight. Maybe that's not too much of a spoiler given my, my allusion to it earlier, but uh, I played against Eric in round one and he was playing Sync and he hit me with a Thoth, uh, which is the seven cost ice that gives you a tag upon encounter. And I continued and hit universal connectivity fee and I had all three conspiracies in the bin. How, how much money did you lose? I lost, I think, 18 credits. Okay. It wasn't great. Then I got hard hitting news. But did obviously. you have fun though? Yes, it was great. Yes, so we shall call ourselves the having fun agenda from now on. Uh, we'll think about that okay. one. And also lastly, Asha, who also came from Melbourne. Asha is someone who's come from the States, but I think we can confidently call him a Melbourneian now. Yep, given that he plays more tournaments than perhaps anyone else. Correct. Um, he was giving out his own promos of ETF to a few people, so um, thank you for that. Um, unfortunately, he narrowly missed top 8 by coming in at 9. Um, but good job anyway, but uh, I know how disappointed you are. Okay, so on to the nitty gritty of today's episode. What? How shall we? How shall we talk about this? Let, let's talk about the lead up first, yeah, and then talk about the I tournament. I think so. Okay. So, where are we going to start, Luffy? So, um, we. I decided, I think, a couple of weeks ago, when I just worked out that I was going to come to nationals, that if I was going to do it, I might as well do it properly. So, mm -hmm. you know, we spent some quite a bit of time preparing in the lead up and I ha tried to follow a schedule like I usually do. Um, mm -hmm. Unlike the nationals that sort of always gets alluded to two years ago when, when I switched decks the day before, um, right. or the day of the tournament, in fact. Well, what did you switch from? I switched you? from IT department to uh, Astro, an AstroScript deck, Faster Biotics. Did you, was that, that, was that a positive last, decision or yeah, a negative decision? That was okay, the good. last tournament that you could play AstroScript in. Right, yeah. Um, or maybe not the last tournament. But right, right. It was that era. I think our food may be coming from afar as well. We shall update you listeners as it comes. We All shall. Right. Keep going. Um, so, yeah, I decided... Oh, yeah, hang, on, hang on, our food is coming. Hold on. Yes, uh, here, thank you. And then plate. Would you like some pepper? Uh, uh, yes, please. Yes, please. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so I hope you guys heard that we, we, we have some food in front of us. And now we have to try and eat and talk. How about we do one at a time? How about we pause the episode and then eat and then talk after? Um, I don't know whether I can pause the episode. You don't think you have time? And I don't think I have time. Oh, I see what you mean. So let's let, let just keep going. But, but in front of me, I have a plate of scrambled eggs and some avocado. That's a... Thank you. Thank you. That, that's a Sydney thing. And, and some bacon and some feta cheese and a roasted tomato on sourdough bread. John, you also want to narrate my breakfast? Yes, so Wilfie has falafel and hummus and... I think that's pickled eggplant with some grilled cheese and a selection of olives and it all looks very good. Okay, so where were we up to before we got <laughs> um, delayed? I was explaining the preparation process. So I yes. was sort of saying that if I was going to come to this tournament, I want to do it properly. So for me, that means, you know, starting with uh, playing, deciding what decks we expect at the tournament so mm -hmm. that was very much informed by Max Williams who has been talking 
in the Patreon group fairly consistently, and last week he yep. came on to discuss his uh, Gen Con and regionals experience. So he sort of let us know that to expect that he, not to expect, but that he found a lot of uh, moons, especially, but also IG, uh, especially now that you could play Breach Dome because mm-hmm. Crimson Dust was legal for our nationals, but it wasn't legal for Gen Con. Yeah. Um, so he told us to expect Breach Dome, a lot of Ag Infusion, a lot of Moons especially, and also some Sync. So yep. those were the four decks that we sort of put into our gauntlet on the Corp side. And on the Runner side, we expected some sort of Wizard, uh, so some some sort of uh, regular Conspiracy Breaker Wizard, so either with Parasite, Sipper, or just Temujin. So those were the two, probably the two builds that we ho- uh, focused in on. Also some Siphon Wizard with uh, either with God of War and, sorry, so always with God of War, either yep. with Mars for Martians and Counter Surveillance, or just um, regularly with Keyhole, or yep. um, maybe DLR, or something Siphon like that. Siphon Wizard, yep. uh, Keyhole, yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so from my perspective, because I couldn't make regionals, I thought I wanted to join a big tournament this year. Um, so that was the thing, and I haven't traveled for any tournaments before, so that I thought this was going to be a once-off experience. Um, also, there were alternate art booms that I had to get, and therefore that made the decision somewhat easier. Yeah. So, so back on the testing process, so we had these decks in our yeah. gauntlet. I'll just say quickly that yeah. also, finishing that on the runner side, we also expected some sort of shaper. Uh, probably Lock Haley or some other yes. um, deep data mining deck, and also uh, just the good stuff Andromeda that's been good for like the whole history of Netrunner. Yes. Yeah. So those were the four decks on the Corp and the Runner side that we sort of focused our testing against. Yes. So for me, my Runner, I was either going to play Andy or Visit. I had tried Lock Haley a little bit, and I found it extremely difficult to play because it didn't kind of fit a linear strategy. Um, there was a lot of setup and there was a lot of decision as to when to run. Um, and if you made a mess of this, the game plan generally does not go very well for you. So it was either Andy or Wizard or myself. And on the pop side, I think both of us had pretty much settled on a version of Moons. Um, just because some of the other complexes were a bit difficult to play. For example, Ag Infusion was difficult to play, and I certainly found Sync, although still somewhat popular, to be extremely weak against Aaron Merritt, which has been the case for the past year or so. Yep, and so I also played Moons at the Regionals, which you didn't play in Jian, and that went like, I sort of never had the impression that the deck was anything other than broken. Yeah from the times I played it. Like, I understand there's a bit of potential bias there because the games you win you know, tend to be a bit of blowout affairs, whereas the games you lose are usually pretty close and you race them. You, you usually are an agenda, a couple of agendas off. Um, and I know that that's sort of lessened nowadays because you know, Moons has been good for a while, but I felt that, and I think, John, you felt the same thing, Yeah. that that um, effect was still large enough, the strength of Moons was still large enough to not consider taking out any other corp deck, mm-hmm. for, like not consider seriously taking any other corp deck. Mm-hmm. Um, 
let's talk a bit on how we decide our runner deck first and then I have a bit more to go in about moons. I know I know perhaps most people would be sick of listening to moons by now. But I think there are some interesting points that could be said about it that, that perhaps we haven't actually heard written, read somewhere or heard on a podcast before. Mm-hmm. So let's get the runner side out of the way. So it was between Andy and Wizard. Um, Lock Haley, like I said, I had taken it out of the equation early because I didn't know how to play it and also we expected a lot of ag infusion and Lock Haley has a, a bad time against Chiashis. Um, what's your, what was your feeling with Andy and Wizard sometime earlier this week when we were sort of towards the end stages of our testing? Yeah, so just talking about that testing process quickly, I will say that I sort of wanted very strict deadlines that we'd decide on something by a certain date and then the next time we tested we'd decide on something else until eventually we'd have everything and then we could just work out the things that are important. Yes, essentially playing the decks that we are playing and practicing with the decks instead of still practicing to figure out which decks you're going to play. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. So, um, what was your question, sorry? How did you decide between Andy and Wiz or did you consider Lock Haley as well? Um, So I considered Lock Haley and Siphon. Siphon Wizard mm-hmm. as well a little bit, but I feel like I do better playing decks that aren't that don't have one game plan and aren't as um, maybe this is a weakness, but aren't as um, complex to play. I always found that when I was playing Siphon or Lock Haley, the cards work. The individual power of each card isn't as high, and the the reliance on synergy is much higher. So if you kind of have your game plan and doesn't really correspond to a game plan that's good against the corp, or if they have cards that's particularly strong against you, it's much harder to recover than is playing decks that are more flexible. Yes, yes. I too tried Siphon Visit for a few few weeks leading up to the event. It's an incredibly difficult uh, deck to play. Most times you feel as if you're doing nothing and then your deck runs out and you still haven't Siphon that once. Yeah, Um, I suppose not all of us are day poilants. So not all of us are able to perform as well as he is. He does, but the deck is incredibly difficult to play, and, and, and I didn't really have that good, uh, that good, an experience with it. So that was also taken out of the equation fairly early. Anyway, so yeah, so to, to the side between Andy and Wiz, I was fairly open about playing either. I played Wizard at regionals like a Temujin list, and but I'm I was happy to swap. I had enough experience with Andy in the past, but I think the main thing was that. Uh, in our meta estimation, we expected a lot, or not a lot, but expected some at least IG mm-hmm. because of Breach Dome. Yep. And I thought that was the one, the main matchup in which Wizard was much better than yep. Andy. I think against Sync, Andy was much better than Wizard. And in the other two major matchups that we um, honed in upon, they were about even. Yep. Yep. So the comment I've been making is that Andy has a very strong linear game plan, tends to get set up very quickly, but if it hits a few bumps on the road and you throw a few rocks along her way, she can, the, the whole game plan can completely crumble. Um, you, you can't afford to lose cards to any net damage, especially if they are your breakers. So that's where you can sort of derail Andy a little bit and stop her from being set up. And with, with net damage and IG in consideration, um, we thought that Andy, for us, was a bit less of a um, better choice compared to Wizard. Is that what you agree with? Yeah, okay. 
So then we settled on visit, and I think the week before Max had posted this cipher list, uh, the winner of the, no, not the winner of Gen Con, but the uh, runner-up of Gen Con also had a cipher list. Um, there were a few cipher lists running around, and with Egg Infusion being popular, we thought cipher would be a better choice compared to, say, Desperado list. So we locked onto that fairly soon. And, and then it then just became a decision on whether we play certain cards like how many blue mooses, how many liberated accounts, um, how many dirty laundries and, and whatnot. Th those were fairly some were fairly minor decisions compared to the overall whole. Um, and then moving on to that, we then started practicing matchups. Um, we found that with against Ag um, Infusion, you could sort of money up and just attack their remote when they start trying to score. And because you have so much economy in your deck, you tend to have quite you tend to have quite some um, strong strategy when when they do score. You can parasite and destroy their remote and try and get it that way. Yeah. So the main and I I don't know that we want to do this for every matchup necessarily, but the main thing that we identified was that it was very hard for. Ag Infusion to open up a scoring opportunity because getting your ice parasited put you so far behind in scoring the next mm -hmm. thing from your remote. And it was very like Wizard never really had to run anywhere in order to win. You just had you if you just moneyed up every turn, you could the usual play pattern of those sort of big remote decks is to push you through one remote and then once you spend all your resources getting into that and then start scoring. Like yeah. start the Nisei train. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but the, Parasite sort of turns that Parasite Cipher especially turns that a bit on its head. Yeah. The alternative option you could do is to then target R and D with a medium and Parasite then, and when they try and score their first or second agenda, you then go for a medium pick for the win by destroying R and D. Yeah. So we um, sort of identified that from Ag Infusion's perspective, you really need to score an agenda earlier before Wizard could get set. Like, at the very small window early in the game where Wizard potentially didn't have enough resources to contest the mm -hmm. remote because we found that Wizard's main issue was access to breakers early. Yeah, and the good thing about Wizard is you can afford to take net damage because you've got iPad versus and your breakers want to go into the bin anyway. So it's all a positive for you even if you face check ice without any breakers at the beginning. Um, so that was that. Visit against Sync was more of a 50-50. Sync has a strong matchup against Visit, but but Visit with so much money nowadays, the blue most liberated accounts, and we were playing a Temujin side for this. You you have a game plan that you can play against Sync that if you have money up enough so that they don't have the um, um, hard hitting news open, you could still get them that way. Obviously, you're racing against double breaking news. Um, 24-7 booms, and that part is the 50-50 bit that I was referring to. Um, were there any other core decks? Oh yes, the IG deck was the deck we then tested with. Um, that, I found it quite difficult at the beginning even playing the IG deck. Um, it's not a straightforward deck to play. Um, again, it's not very intuitive. Um, what did you feel about that movie? Wilfie is just chewing on a piece of eggplant at the moment, so we'll give him some time to, to get it down his throat. So I think, yeah, um, and I think we'll talk about the metagame that we actually found a bit later, yeah. but with the metagame we expected, IG, yeah, it is complex, but it's also, I think, not that um, 
difficult to play against. Like, they sort of want to do the same thing every game. Mm -hmm. um, and they really don't have that many. They have a lot of moving parts, but they all sort of um, set up the end game of, of bioethics. So it's not like... It's not like they really have very many... Yeah. Um, different ways to go as the game goes on. Yeah. As the IG deck moves towards endgame, they're always trying to set up bioethics and they're always going to have, get agendas stuck in their hand. Yeah. And those are the two things you can exploit. Do you think the extra tree breach domes changed much of the strategy? Did it make it more powerful? Or do you think it was still much the same anyway? I think a, a bit the same. Like, it is a bit more powerful, but it, doesn't it does increase the chance of you having shocks yeah. in your bin early, which is the most powerful part about that deck. Um, is in the early to mid game protecting your assets, especially against Wizard, um, Temujin Wizards. So here we found that that the there were, there were two main game plans for Wizard against um, uh, IG. The first one is that we get slums and remove their bioethics from the game. Then removes their win condition. Um, assuming you don't then die to random shocks and snares, you, you then have a pretty high chance of winning. The second option is assuming you don't get access to the one cells at slums. Oh, sorry, the two cells at slums that we were playing. Um, the correct play was to always run archives early. I think experienced players will already know this. Um, if you haven't played against IG much, as I haven't, when you first stare the board and you look at IG's pile archives of maybe five face on cards, you'll be very reticent to run it because it may potentially be all five shots. The correct play is to always run it. And Wizard allows you to do that for the same reason I was talking about earlier with the iPad versus and their conspiracy breakers that would go into the bin, so it's a net positive for you. Whereas Andy is unable to make this play because they then lose their hand of critical parts. So, so, so we found that the correct play was to run archives and, and, and by testing that matchup a bit more using this decision heuristic, we found that yes, there was a play we could make against IG that gave us a reasonable chance of um, success. So that was good. Um, is there anything else we need to talk about IG at the moment? No. Okay. So let's then move on to the actual... Sorry, Wilf is indicating something. I don't know moons. what it is. Let's talk about moons. Yes, yes. let's move on to the actual moons um, um, matchups. Um, so first... I think first thing we'll talk about what moons we played, and the second thing we'll talk about is our testing against moons. How do we play against moons? Do you want to just repeat that sentence? All right. So, so in case people didn't hear that, um, there's some other people walking around. So, the, we'll first talk about what moons we decided to play, and the second thing we'll talk about is how we practice to play against moons. Um, what, 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 what? plans of attack that we try to use. So many people, well, people may realize, oh, I, on my recent investigation through Netrunner DB, I figured out that there are two main versions of moons. One is the one that the UK people play, which is the, uh, of the, the one that Chris Dyer popularized. It's got 10 ice. Um, it uses luxuries. Um, and it uses the successful field tests. So that game plan is to set up a huge moon moon plane and then score successful field tests, getting a ridiculous amount of advantage. That's the one I, I jokingly dubbed the Ravager Affinity for the people who may understand what that means. 
Then there's the other version of Moon that is popularized by Mike Walsh, our New Zealander um, friend, um, which plays less ice, only eight ice, and it uses team sponsorships and Byron work crews. And that one is a bit faster, and um, the team sponsorship really accelerates the game plan, and that one uses accelerated bug beta tests as opposed to the successful field tests. Um, that is the one I dubbed the slime, which uh, I find it quite funny. So one, one is a bit more resilient, it's got more ice, the other one is a bit quicker, um, a bit less resilient, but, but a lot faster and, and, and prone to a bit more explosive, quick plays. So I settled on the second version of Moon because I thought I, I was a lot more comfortable with it, I was happier scoring um, ABTs earlier and then using team sponsorships to get advantages. Um, I think Wilfie settled on the first version, although he did use ABT as opposed to SFTs anyway. Um, the, the more resilient version of Moon, you have a lot of ice and you can tend to make um, remotes that are quite taxing, so you can you have that strategy, you can also make R&D quite taxing because usually the play against Moons is to sometime in the mid to late game start attacking R&D instead, so that's a bit more resilient from that perspective. Will there be any comments on this matter? No? Okay. Um, so, we then practiced playing Wizards against Moons and we tried coming up with a few... Um, oh, sorry, the other thing that just that we can mention is the fact that MCA austerity policy came out in Crimson Dust as well and that was a consideration whether we play it or not. I briefly tested with it and I didn't find it to be that useful because you were kind of slowing yourself to also slow the runner and I would rather accelerate my game plan and get more of an advantage that way as opposed to slowing the runner and slowing myself. Yeah, so the way I sort of saw it in terms of the differences between the moons list is I'm not like John, I don't live on Netrunner DB. So basically when he told me about this, um, this typology of moons decks, I guess I just nodded my head. Um, he wasn't very convinced but that they were that different. Yeah, like, I sort of saw them as being quite similar and the main differences in the cards being mostly secondary to the overall archetype of just the SL Moon decks in general. So I didn't spend lose too much sleep trying to work out which version I played and the main reason I stuck with the version that I had was it was the same one I played at Regionals. Yeah, and it's the same reason I was playing with the version I played for quite a few weeks before then and I was quite used to how that played, how, how the game flowed so when I tried the other version I was not quite happy with say drawing more ice in the mid game and I didn't want to draw more ice, I wanted to draw more assets. Right, okay. Um, the MCA austerity issue will be? Oh, um, I just saw it, like we tested a little bit but I just saw it as being not, it's, very, it's sort of, it does work with your game plan but it doesn't really fit in any of the slots that you have already allocated to cards, like you can't put it as an economy card, it doesn't really, it helps you score to some extent, so I guess that was the main thing. I think some people replaced Lakshmi's with it. Right. Yeah, but just because they both help you, help with your scoring plan. It usually gets trashed, it's usually the num number one target that gets trashed, so you don't really get much out of it. Um, you get to play it use a click slowing yourself and slowing the runner down to one turn and they crash it. Alternatively, you could then spend resources to protect it 
which I don't know whether it's something you want to be doing, protecting an, an asset like this. You, you, usually, most of your assets can be left um, open. Um, the runner has to decide which one they want to get. So again, dedicating ICE to protect an asset like this, I wasn't entirely certain was a good thing Yeah, to do. and just from a theoretical perspective, the fact that runners have so much drip economy nowadays between Wizard, um, Blue Moose, especially Blue Moose since it's in every deck, but things like that makes the concept to me of playing a card that trades your clicks for their clicks as the corp a bit dubious. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we didn't play any MCA policies in our decks. Um, right, so that's, then let's move on to the actually practicing wizard against HP moons. I think the first thing I'd like to comment upon is that the game has gotten so complex now compared to say two years ago that you can't just pick up the deck and play it. So although moons may seem overpowered, it's a lot more difficult to play compared to say um, NAH fast probiotics two, two years ago. Um, although the game plan is linear, there's a lot of triggers for, for moons that, that you need to decide what you want to do. There's a lot of decisions to make. Um, it's not as straightforward, so there's a huge difference between playing moons and practicing with it and just picking it up and just playing it on the spot as well. Another thing to comment on is the, I think it was briefly mentioned last week, practicing on Jinteki.net is extremely different from practicing in real life. Um, I was fairly comfortable with the deck online, but in real life, in my first few plays with it, I really struggled with managing my um, triggers, remembering which assets to rest, and multiple times I realized I've already made my mandatory draw, and I've forgotten to rest, say, my tech startup or my clone suffrage movement, which is a game changer in, in, in those situations. So part of our practice for me was that I was actively reminding myself to check every asset before each turn, do not forget triggers, and just making sure that that was something I was aware of in every uh, turn. Um, and then from the other side of the um, picture, playing Wizards against HP, one of our key decisions we had to make would be what do you do against a turn one install asset, ice asset? It was something we had to decide what to do against. Because you wish, yeah, will please say something? Yeah, I'll just sort of draw back a little bit to say that that was sort of... One, at the start, we sort of weren't winning as Wizard at all. Yeah. Like, I wasn't winning at all against Moons Online with yeah. Wizard just because eventually they'd overwhelm you. You'd just run things and you'd run into Fairchild and lose things just to make them spend money, but that because of Moon, they seemed to be able to recover the money very easily. Yeah. Um, but I think as we played more and more, we sort of discovered, and this, draw, uh, this uh, is related to your point as well, we sort of discovered a strategy that works well. Yes, essentially we need to deny them moon counters and we need to deny them early and because essentially they need a lot of money to score and they need to score each each scoring is at least seven bucks for them because they need to buy it. So you can control their access to credits and you can control their access to cards essentially by attacking the each moon as soon as possible when they come up. Um, 
then that, that usually keeps you at least on par with um, the HP. Exactly, and at that point, friends is basically the only way to recover right. if you can keep their moons down. Right, and it still gets them back on parity with, the, with you anyway. Yeah, and because Wizard has so many, so much money nowadays, mm -hmm. um, especially with Sipper, meaning that you don't necessarily have to spend a lot of money to get through a remote because you can slowly over time dismantle it. Yes. It means that as the game goes on, if you can prevent them from getting a huge moons off, you get further and further ahead. Like, yeah. we decided that it was okay to run into an architect yes. to trash a tech startup. On turn one, because yeah. it's, a lot, it's a lot more okay to run into an architect turn one than it is to run into an architect turn two when they already have a moons with three counters on it, potentially getting up to five counters from the architect. Yeah, exactly. So, it's so, yes. so that this is a this is probably the main thing that we discovered from our testing. Probably the most important thing that we discovered is, as moons, you have to ice a remote early because that gives you the most chance of uh, landing a having a moon live for multiple turns, yep. which actually gets you ahead rather than just sort of floating along. Yeah. Um, which means that as wizard, you have to try and contest everything. It's okay to lose lots of resources because you have so much money to yes. contest that. Yes, yes, and usually, if, and usually if they have the rest of Fairchild to protect the moons, it's usually a positive for you because they lose six credits doing so. Um, so, so one of the things we learned was that against moons, not only turn one but throughout the game, that it is always okay to face check a remote even if you don't have all your things set up, um, which is not something Andy could do. Um, reliably because they needed their things set up. That, that was what we found. The other thing I'd like to comment on here is the playing in real life as well against moons is the sort of the emotion of it. I think initially when I played against moons and I saw them install everything and their moons had five counters and then you can sort of get a sense of doom and gloom and, and, and you then lose your will to play even and you say why am I even playing this game. Um, so the practice was good from the first perspective is to get, get used to that feeling of seeing a lot of assets, knowing that yes, you have a strategy to contest it if you target the appropriate things that you need to target, so that was useful. And the other thing was that knowing that even if they install a lot of things, some of them are bound to the agendas anyway, and, and, and you can just run every remote and check them, and that, that's still a winning strategy. So, so it is important not to lose, not to lose the motivation playing in schools if, if they do get to a point where they're installing everything. Um, it's usually when people then give up that they then start tunneling in on R&D. That's when wounds then starts to, to then overwhelm you because because they, they have so many things to play. So those that practice was good from that perspective as well. Um, right. Anything else to say on this point, Luffy? I think there was one, but it sort of slipped my mind. I can't remember what I wanted to say already. Um, okay. So moving on to the actual day itself. Um, I think it went quite well on my perspective, so I made top 8. Um, I, played, I played the first 3 rounds and then I was in a well enough position to be able to ID rounds 4 and 5, which was very fortunate for me. In rounds 1, 2 and 3, I played against, well in round 1, I played against Moon and Andy. Um, and everything we talked about in practice came to 4, and, and I was uh, fortunate to win both games. In round two, again, I played against Moon and Andy. Um, I was able to win as Moon against Andy in this game. The issue with regards to Andy came into play where Andy had a lot of money but didn't have their breakers and couldn't get their last breaker and I was able to take advantage of that. 
um, and win that way. And, and then against Moons, I was very lucky to pluck two agendas from the top of R&D to get a time draw, whereas it would have been a loss for me. And in round three, I played against um, Wiz and, and NEH, Turtlebacks friends deck. So it's essentially the same type of deck except in any hatred sand sense, but they played friends and whatnot. And most, well, all of the things we talked about when practicing against moons again was true and relevant, and I was able to um, use those same strategies to beat the NEH. Um, the John Mastonary, the one of John Mastonary that we played in our wizard deck was the MVP in all three games. Um, because that allowed me to get the, the draw. See, I think the other thing to say is against Moons, the problem that we found that not being able to draw cards when you're running remotes every turn was a huge problem. And the John Mercenary that we had in our deck was very helpful with that and it came out for me early game in all three matches. So that, that was very um, fortunate and it worked a treat. Um, and uh, Wilfie, I don't know how much you want to talk about your day. Not really? Or do you have something to say? Well, let, let, let Wilfie finish his meal first um, and he'll get back to it when, when he... I will then mention that um, I'll be playing the top 8 in about 45 minutes. Um, uh, Wilfie, are you ready to speak? Okay, I'll let Wilfie say his piece. So I will just say that, you know, I didn't make top 8. Um, I barely missed, I was one win off, which is okay, like not having a regionals buy um, and also um, sort of playing, maybe not having had as fortunate draws as some people who made top eight, like I'm saying that, I'm not, I'm saying that uh, specifically, it's sort of above expectation to make top eight. I think so. what, what you may be alluding to, maybe not, not directly, would be um, I was perhaps lucky enough to be playing against the decks that I tested against. Um, whereas whereas Wilkie encountered some decks that were perhaps a bit um, out of off, left field. Off, off center, out of left field, and, and therefore he encountered Sid Thoth and the conductivity E. Yeah. Um, so, so, so those kind of things. I mean, on one hand, you would prefer to avoid good players early on, but on the other hand, the good players are playing the decks that you practice against. So, so, so there's pros and cons. Exactly, and especially since we have such a process, at least I sort of try to go into the tournament with such a process-focused mindset, like that we've done this, it worked, let's just do the same thing again. <laughs> that, and that's how you win, is by finding out a strategy that you know works, being uh, thrown Having a spanner thrown into that, I guess, can sometimes be good because the decks aren't as powerful, but it also can be hugely yeah. negative. And so I'll just say quickly, like, I'm not unhappy with the way I did, and I think our testing process still worked out yeah. because, you know, the game, I lost the game against Lock Haley when we established that was not a great matchup, and I think I did the things that I wanted to do. Okay. Um, and then I lost a game as Moons against Andy, which you know, it could have gone either way. Yeah. Um, and then I lost a game again in the aforementioned situation with universal connectivity fee, and then I got a time to win because we, you know, we played a long matchup. Yeah. Um, so those were my sort of four losses on the day. So Eric, I'm very glad I didn't have to play against you. Uh, I'm glad it was, I'm glad it was Wilfie instead of myself who had to face you. 
but yeah, anyway, so like, I don't think that even because I didn't do how as well as I wanted to, I'm still happy with the way our, our testing process went. Okay. Especially since you made Top 8. Yes, and I'm, I'm very chuffed. Um, it's my first time I've made Top 8 for any regions or nationals event. Um, um, and, and the fact that we practiced for it and put in the effort um, and it paid off and, and the fact that I had to fly all the way from Melbourne, I think, I think it was a very pleasing outcome. So even though we have not played Top 8 yet, I'm already very <coughs> pleased with, with how I've done. Can you say that again? I just need to cough halfway through. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm saying I'm, I'm very chuffed at making Top 8 um, because of all the work we've put in. So I'm very pleased with how we've done, even though we haven't actually played Top 8 yet. So do you want to talk about the Top 8 now? Yeah, so let's quickly mention the Top 8. Um, um, so it's quite a varied feel from various places. So in number one, we've got Daryl Russell. Where is he from? I think he's from Brisbane. Brisbane. He's from Brisbane. He's playing Smoke and Scorpius. Um, and number two on the Swiss, that's myself with Sipovis uh, and Moons. Number three, Daniel Doll. I, I think he's a Sydney sider, I'm not sure. I played against him. He's playing um, Lock Haley and Moons. Lock Haley and Moons, okay. I think. And then number four, we've got Chris Davis. He's also a Sydney sider. He's playing Scorpios and a counter surveillance viz. Number five is uh, Michael Walsh from New Zealand. I don't actually know what he's playing. I assume he's playing Moons, but I actually don't know. Then number six, we've got uh, Ryan Thomas on Moons and Andy. And on number seven, we've got Alex Fondren, um, RP and Andy. And coming in at eight, Tom Lacey with, um, I think not Moons, but ETF, uh, and Andy. And he's from, so sorry, so Alex Fondren is from Adelaide. Uh, Ryan Thomas is from Sydney. Tom Lacey is from Sydney. So a lot of Sydney uh, people, and I wonder why, as in why do people from the home ground get more advantages? Is it just because there are more Sydney siders playing, that's why there are more Sydney siders in the top eight? Cool. So top eight will be in about half an hour, and I hope I do well. Well, on this, I, I will be, let's talk some strategies. So I'm going to be playing against RP and Andy. What do you think I should pick? I've got an option of choosing Visit to go against RP and I'm not really sure what version of RP it is. It could be a standard Glacier type RP or it could be the Bioethics Lock type RP. Um, on, on the alternative side, I could play Moons against Andy. Um, that, that's a bit more of a 50-50 and very draw dependent. I will say that we built our Wizard deck to be strong against deck Jinteki especially. Like, yep. Specifically because of Jinteki's Ice Suite, we build our breakers to be good against that. Yeah. With playing all conspiracy breakers. Yeah. Um, and RP is fairly asset heavy. Yeah. We would imagine, and I think the only issue would be, or the main issue I would see is if we can't find Parasite early. Yeah. It's going to be hard to deal with the remotes. I think, I think the difference here is that um, in other forms of IG you could ignore the centrals and just run remotes um, because that was a winning strategy but here you have to deal with a central every time you want to run a remote. So if it's got all remotes iced up, sorry, all centrals iced up and we don't have our Parasite and Zipper it would be quite difficult. True but like I feel like our deck is naturally positioned to be good against those kind of decks. 
Yes. So I think you should play Wizard, as opposed to Moons vs. Andy, where it's probably 50-50. It's about 50-50 where you decided. Yeah. If you're both of similar, you know, yeah, skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a decision I have to then think of, this is RP, may he have six shocks as well. Um, um, if he leaves archives undefended, I suppose I, that should be run number one before going to deal with the... Yeah, well, you have to decide. Yes. You know, it, I think it's better, still better to run into a shock than a Kamainu, maybe. Or True. It's, but, like, once you know, it's not like they can just draw cards all the time because yes. they need to develop their board, otherwise they'll fall behind the wizard, yes. right? Yes, yes. So it's sort of like they can't... It's not like IG where you can draw cards to dump shocks in the bin and still progress your game plan because that makes it harder for them to run your assets. Okay. okay. Right? Yes. So we shall see. We shall see. And um, I wish myself good luck. And yes, maybe me too. Maybe in the next episodes, uh, we'll be and Jesse can update you about how I rate. All good. Perfect. Thank you Thank very you. much. Oh, no, I'm good. Thank You're you. Right. Yeah. All right. So I think, I think um, we're almost out of time. Um, do you know what that means, Wilfie? Yes, it means uh, we have to leave you today on episode 135 of The Winning Agenda. If you'd like to get into contact with us, you can do so on our Facebook, which is The Winning Agenda. You can email us uh, at thewinningagenda, sorry, thewinningagenda at gmail.com. You can tweet us at winningagenda, or um, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash winningagenda. What I was actually alluding to is this means that this is the end of our podcast. Oh, of course. And what that means, that instead of uh, talking Netrunner, it's time to be playing Netrunner. Um, for the people who know what I'm talking about, shoutouts to you. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Bye. That's how Mark wrote.